Hello, time hackers, and welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Jacques Fu, and on our podcast, we like to talk about time, time hacking, tips and strategies, and hear from people who have unique and interesting perspectives about time. Today, I'm joined by Mark Stotts and heard about his interesting story on Reddit. I love him for, to tell that story. But, you know, Mark has a background in film, advertising, as a photographer for eight years, learning how to make music. Marcus blends creative storytelling with innovative technology to create beautiful and engaging images. And now 23 after his winding adventure, which I'm sure we'll get all into that, um, of self-discovery, he is back in the U.S. working with his friends in a creative studio called Second Wave. Mark, thank you uh, for being on the show today. Man, thank you, Jacques. Uh, I really appreciate it. Really excited to be here, too. Excellent, excellent. And, you know, I'd love to, you know, just tell us about your journey from your perspective. I kind of, you know, skipped over some some of the, the interesting parts here that I'd really like to hear from your perspective. And just, you know, tell me how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I, in this whole experience of life that I've had, um, I realized that all the little pieces add up to the big pieces. And it, it really all started when I was young. I kind of, I was always kind of like the, the skinny, weak kid. And I w- never really had a good time in, in gym class. And so I, the way that I coped with that was using my mind and, and getting into science, getting into arts and creativity. And so I also was huge into video games. And that's how I kind of started this whole creative. I joined an esports team when I was like 10 years old. It was pretty good. And I wasn't that good, but I was good enough to get in. And they needed someone to edit their videos. And so I, I enlisted myself to do that. And I quickly began loving that that skill, just video editing and putting clips to music together and, and making content that people resonated with. I mean, um, gosh, at 11 years old, that's, that's kind of every kid's dream is to either be in esports or, or to be some sort of a YouTube influencer. So <laughs> do you, do you feel like, you know, that had an impact on, on the way you think about time? And I'm just kind of curious about some of the routines from that period of your life as well. I haven't really thought too much about what I, what I used to do back then. It definitely wasn't structured. It was more like I would get home after school. Well, actually, the interesting thing was that I did all my homework in school. I would sit in class and do all the homework as the teacher's talking or spend my time in study, the study hall getting my stuff done. So then I could spend all the time at home and play video games or editing or doing what I wanted. And I was, I found that to be really effective. Like, just get it done and then I can spend the time that I want to do doing the things that I want to do. But in terms of like structured routine around gaming and editing, there was like very little of that. And I actually struggled with that in, in my early years because I just wasn't getting a whole lot done. That was around 11 years old when I kind of left that, that team and was doing my own thing. And from like 11 to 16, I was a part of this whole community on YouTube making videos and creating our personal brands and creating teams of artists that work together and was leading a team at one point and was like negotiating work between our editors and the gamers of the esports team esports teams that we know them today and we were kind of at the beginning of this community and i met some of my really good friends who i'm, I'm working with today in, in the, the, the studio at second wave and so this kind of journey of like online the online editing world 
led me to film and photography and expressing myself in other creative ways. And then I decided to go to the film school after high school in Vancouver Film School, just a one-year program. And it was one of the best years of my life where we were six months of in the, in the classroom and six months in, in studio um, with all of our friends working on creative projects. And that got me exposed into to film and like, working in the film industry. We were working closely with some mentors who were working in various studios. And I was lucky enough, I guess, I, I guess I worked hard enough too, that they noticed my, my work. And I was, I was offered a job before I graduated and it took some time to, for it to come through. So after graduation, I went to Boston for three months to work in advertising. And it was a, a kind of a unique role where we were working with two musicians at the time, a rapper, a rap group and a, like an indie electronic group. And my role was the photographer and 3D artist. So we'd go out to all their live shows and I would record or take some photos. Then I got a call from the head of lighting at MPC, the moving Fisher company. They, they, they're one of the biggest studios in, in the world that does the visual effects. And he, he called me and asked me if I wanted to work on Detective Pikachu. And I didn't have any prospects after working at, at, in Boston. So I, of course, said, hell yeah, let's do it. And then and really enjoyed that experience. Was learned a lot, learned how to work in a team, how to work in a studio. And the fateful day came seven months into that contract where I was brought into the office and they said it was my last day. And that really, I took it in stride that day, but actually the months after that kind of hopeless for, for the future, for what I wanted to do, I realized, wow, I was... In one day, my dream job was taken away from me, and I didn't really know what I could do. I only had five months left of my work permit in Canada, and I couldn't get another job. No studio would hire me for that short of time. It was just, it was, that was a really hard time, but we knew we had an option. Since we do creative work, we can work anywhere. We were just working on at home on projects all around the world, and we realized that there's people that, that that do this, but they travel, and so we're got a, got a, this idea that we can be digital nomads, as someone would call. It. And I never really liked that term, but I, I I think it it's such an interesting concept that we bought laptops after making a decision to go. When we decided we wanted to go to Asia, my friend had a map, and he just rolled it out on the floor, and I I literally closed my eyes and picked a spot on the map, and it turned out to be Vietnam, and so. A month and a half later, we're boarding our plane and we take the two out, two day journey to get to, to Vietnam. And we landed in the middle of Vietnam in Da Nang. And that's where we, we spent our time. We were only going to stay for seven months. I stayed for two and a half years. My wow. friend went back home after seven months, but it was like, uh, I, I fell in love with the lifestyle, the country, the food, the people and the experience that that gave me was the opportunity to do self-discovery, to find out what I truly wanted to, to do and the kind of uh, impact I wanted to make on people and the lifestyle that I wanted to live. And, and I got in touch with these, this group. They were calling themselves a digital consultant, and I went to their marketing events, introduced myself to them, and quickly became really good friends with them. And they had this program called the 30 day challenge. And the 30 day challenge was in 30 days, you can get your first high paying client and sell your first product. So 
it was like December 15th or something. My friend brought this idea to me that we should do the 30 day challenge in Thailand. And what this meant is that we, we go there to Kopangan with no money to sell our services in exchange for food and accommodation. And we, I was so scared by this idea. It still <laughs> makes me, it still gives me a bit of anxiety thinking about it. Just the idea of doing that was, was insane. It took me until the last few days before we left to actually make the decision. I said, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go. And so it was, we, we left on December, on, on Christmas day. We got into Bangkok on Christmas day and we had this four-hour layover when we got there and we were just walking around and I see this old guy, old Indian guy, just standing right in the middle of the, the walkway, just looking around and I don't think much of him. And as, as I pass him, I, I hear this voice behind me that says, you have good karma. And it was really, it took me aback because I, I just kind of was like in my ear but as I look back, he's like 20 feet away and he's looking directly at me. And Chris has walked away far ahead of me. So it's just me and him. And then he's like pulling apart all of these things about the things that I struggle with and like really tapping into me. And it's like, he, he says that I have good karma, all these things. And he wants, he has this card that says palm reading. So uh, he asked if I could, if he can give me a palm reading and he only had, one condition that he had to ask me these five questions and I had to write the answers to those questions. And if he got those five questions right, then we would do the palm reading and I would pay him. So that was the condition. <laughs> so I said, I'm always up for a good bargain. What, what, so, what were those, um, uh, what were those five questions? <laughs> so he, he brought me back into this monastery and he closed the door and then he, he asked me these questions. And it, the questions were my girlfriend's first or last name, I get to choose. And my mom's first or last name, my birthday, my profession, and my goal or my purpose. And so, lo and behold, he answered all those five questions right. And he, so my girlfriend's last name is, was uh, at the time, Musiel, M-U-S-I-E-L, which is totally random. It's a Ukrainian name. And my mom's first name, Rebecca. And my birthday, April 14th, 1998. And my profession, he wrote down an artist, which is fair because I had a camera around my neck. And then he wrote down peace as my goal, my purpose. And that's I wrote down, that I wanted he, to, that, that level of accuracy. <laughs> that, that sounds insane. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's like, it was that moment when I was, I felt like I was touched by God and I was guided in some way to receive that message, the message that he gave me after answering those questions. And I've now was never really a religious person, never really the too spiritual, was never introduced into meditation or spirituality much. And in that moment, in the moments uh, after that, I, I felt like I was guided by God or like some higher power. And, and why, why that moment was significant for the rest of the story is because I had about $200 in my wallet and I gave him all of my money. So I, I got to cope on gone with like, like 20 bucks. Maybe I, I kept a little bit because I knew we had, we had to uh, pay rent <laughs> for, for somewhere. We had enough money to, to food 
for a few days and then uh, accommodation for a few days. But I gave him all of my money. And I didn't have any money in my bank account. And that my and so when we got to Thailand, actually, I just found out that Chris also had no money. He paid all of the money for the flight and for the boat ride there. So he didn't have any money for anything. So, so all your resources were depleted. You just put yourself on this, on this challenge that, that you had to do. And, but really starting from ground zero. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was ground zero. We had, we had nothing uh, other than my camera, laptop and our skills. So what were you thinking about? Like that, you know, so you, you, at some point, you know, after the experience, it, it hit you, right? That you had to, to figure out what to do next. Like, how long did you plan? I mean, you knew you had 30 days, right? But also you can't survive 30 days without, I mean, challenge aside, right? You have to also eat and drink and have shelter. And so, right, there's like, how far were you thinking ahead or were, were you just in the moment? Yeah, man, it, it was, there was, it, it was a lot in the moment. Pretty much the very the first week was all now, 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 now. Like there's no waiting whatsoever. So we we were planning a little bit in the the bus ride. It took 18 hours to get there, so there was a lot of anticipation. So we were planning. We had this idea in our head that okay, so we we only have we only really have a couple objectives. We have to find shelter and we have to find food. And Really, the first goal was to find shelter because we didn't, we had enough money to buy one meal a day at the local food court. It was vegetarian rice dish. And we, we bought like two big bags, one bag of cashews and raisins. So we had enough food to support ourselves, at least for the minimally. And so the, the very first thing we, we did was, okay, we have all of these channels that we can connect with people. We can walk to, on the on the streets talking to every resort that we can talk to and we can message all the resorts online on through email and messenger so we took these three avenues and the first one we started with was just walking the streets and seeing what was available in our immediate radius and this was was day one we were get just looking scanning the area seeing where the food restaurants where the restaurants were where the resorts were and we did walk into a like the resorts just down our street and the first one we walked into was this like spa yoga and resort space and they had events too and she she welcomed us in but she was very high strung she was incredibly on edge and she, we had we had uh, pitched her about our service like hey we i'm a photographer chris is a marketer and we are doing this challenge where we want to help resort owners on the island with their marketing photography needs in exchange for food and accommodation and we wanted to help you out and is there anything that we can do for you anything that we can help you with and she said no there's nothing and well we, we continued pushing into that well we, we just want to do this for free is there anything we can do with nothing in return and she then kind of maybe she had someone that came to her with this same proposition that's actually stayed in one of her bungalows and completely freeloaded that she didn't deliver any value and she was completely taken aback by that and didn't want to trust us but she said hey yeah just if you want to do something i have musicians practicing in the yoga hall right now if you go and make a video and it's good enough then we can talk 
And so we, and then she just ran away. She was planning for the market that that weekend. And we did that. We, we, we went up and introduced ourselves and we made a 30 second video. And at that, after that, we, I finished it and sent it to her immediately. And we, we walked the rest of the street. We didn't get anybody. No one was, everyone was laughing at us and said we're stupid and that we're, yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing and we're going to fail. And that was pretty hard. That was my first experience really selling myself in person with sales. And I had to learn how to sell and it was incredibly challenging. And that was like what the first, the first 12 hours yeah. of the challenge. Yeah. The first 12 hours and uh, being told effectively that what we're doing is stupid and we're going to fail. But uh, I have to really give credit where credit is due. Chris was really the person who guided us through this energetically he was just non-stop believing that it can work and i just followed that he was the leader and i was the linchpin we needed each other because he without me he wouldn't succeed and without him i wouldn't succeed and yeah chris really uh, has that marketing and sales experience so he taught me everything that he knew and yeah he, at this point you'd expect that that would work out and everything was was great but i didn't hear anything back from her and so at that point, we're just like, okay, that's one opportunity. We have to keep making more opportunities. And so every day we would send like a hundred messages each to people on the island, to resorts, to restaurants. We would send video messages. We would send voice messages. We'd try all these different marketing channels to get contacts. And it, how, how, how long would that take to do that? A day's worth of outreach? Like that's, that's probably not easy to get all that contact info and write all those messages. It took a, only a couple hours, honestly. It, like, and once you just sit down and get all that info, like, we would just look up resorts, Copangan, and we would message them on, on Facebook. And you can even see the resorts, like, pages that are similar to those resort pages. You could just message them, at, like, right away. And so it only took about a couple hours, which surprised me. And the rest of the time, we would spend planning for future projects for the team, for DC, what we wanted to do. So there was a bit of an immediate action that we needed to take. And then there was also planning. And our, we had, man, it was it was crazy. Like we would spend a couple hours doing outreach, but then planning different things that we could do on the island. And so we created this Instagram page that allowed us to get, get food because we could do reviews of, of people's people's meals and, and then we could also get into parties because we we could take photos of the party and, and get free admission the only caveat is that we would have to walk there and that would take a few hours so we would the, the first part of the story is almost how, how was that by the way because it sounds like then that overall there was a lot of activity but it also sounds like if if it's if it takes a couple hours to walk there's probably this this crazy lull that you have while you're you know walking and trying to figure out and then it's you know, frenetic amount of activity to get something done in time and then waiting again for like the next opportunity. How, how was that experience for you to, to just constantly kind of go back and forth between, you know, super busy and then, you know, waiting? <laughs> That's a good question. I found it to be incredibly challenging actually, but also it's something that I, I wasn't used to doing, but something that I grew to love because then I was able to get a whole lot done that progressed our, us forward, but then able to to like rest on my laurels and knowing that I did a good job and 
knowing that I did what I could to get the next opportunity. And once that next opportunity came, it was kind of like this weight lifted off our chest and off our shoulders. That was really the the interesting thing is that up until we first got accommodation when we got food, it was just go, 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 go. But then once we finally got our basic necessities, everything relaxed and even our, our actions relaxed. We didn't do as much outreach. We didn't work as hard. So it's kind of interesting to see that that mind, the mind rest and the body rest and and uh, yeah, and, but I, I, to to kind of finish up that first part of the like how we got food and accommodation, it was we met met this group at an event. We got a free food, and they invited us to to go on a hike. Well, we didn't have any a motorbike, so we we decided to walk to that waterfall that they were hiking at, and it took us about four hours to get there. And they they were coming back as we were walking there. We were almost th- we we're almost there. And then they were going back, but for some reason, Chris and I wanted to keep going, so we didn't go back with them. Then 30 minutes after that, we decided, man, this is ridiculous. So we walked all the way back home, and it's starting to get dark now. And this was our last night with food, in a, with, uh, sorry, with accommodation. And when we got back, we, we didn't have any prospects, but our, our landlady, the lady that Chris was friends with, Prior to us being there, we stayed at her place. She had this closet in her yoga, no, sorry, her inner massage parlor, and it had two beds in it, and it was tiny. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. So she gave us this place for free and said we could stay there. And then we woke up the next morning not knowing what the deal was, but I got this message. What day was was this? This was day five. Yeah, this is day five. And so we didn't have any prospects after we woke up. So we're just going to be like, we're going to make the best of it. And around noon that, that day, I get a message from that first resort owner we made the video for. And she says, please come. I want to talk to you. She kept it very, really brief. But when we got there, she gave us massive hugs. And she says, I have something to show you. I, I'm really excited to work with you. And so at this time, this was December 30th. And New Year's was coming up. Every resort in on the island was completely closed. There's no way we could get availability because that, that New Year's party was massive. 30,000 people come to the island. So she let us stay in her yoga hall, this massive structure. It's like an art and yoga studio for seven days over New Year's. And then she paid for us to stay in a bungalow on the beach for the rest of the time in exchange for producing social media content for her, taking photos of her menu, doing some design stuff, doing some marketing stuff. And that was really the the thing that that I think changed my life. You know, it taught me that if you just help somebody without without expecting anything, giving unconditional love just because you want to, just to be generous, that can give you so much in return. Any like ten times or a hundred times more than you can ever expect. And she saved our life. She yeah, she saved our life there. <laughs> So what an incredible story. So how did, how did the 30 days end? Like, did, you know, was there a sort of final project that uh, sent you off? Yeah, that, and so this, this law of reciprocity keeps giving and that resort owner that we got the accommodation with introduced us to a resort that had the, one of the most luxury, luxurious resorts on the island. Their family owned five resorts in she introduced us to this woman named Shan and 
we had dinner on the the, the beach. Chris and I at this point were kind of butting heads too. So it was just me. They only wanted to work with me because Chris wasn't getting along with them, actually. And so they brought me to that resort and they said, hey, I want to make a video for you. What do you want in return? <laughs> so I, I sat there and thought, thought about it. And I said, well, I have to leave the island and I have no way to get off. And so they bought my plane ticket back to Vietnam where I had a bunch of stuff still and in return for the video. And that was the project. We stayed one night. I recorded a video of their whole place and they paid for my, my flight back home where I call my home in, in Vietnam. And that was, that blew me, blew me away. Like I had no money. <laughs> I had no way to get home. So your third year, you ended your 30 day challenge to earn the right to finish the 30 day challenge <laughs> and yeah. go home. That's amazing. So, you know, I think of a lot about time in, in data in, 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 in similar ways, right? Like a lot of things are happening, events, you're processing things about yourself, learning new insights, right? And so, you know, there's, there's periods of life where maybe there isn't as much data where it's sort of, you know, becomes routine. And then there's other parts of life where it sounds like this is in particular where there's just a lot of compression, like every day, something new is happening, a totally new experience. It's pro probably firing, you know, all kinds of, you know, patterns in your neurons in your brain that, that, you know, weren't, you know, firing in those patterns before. And so, you, you know, the amount of data is just completely compressed. How would you compare those 30 days to other moments of your life? I have, I have to imagine that in your mind, that 30 day might have been equivalent to maybe some years of your life in the amount of things that, that you experience would, you know, maybe I was speaking for you, but what, what, how would you think of those 30 days? Yeah. And the impact that it had. That's on. a very interesting question. Those, yeah, those 30 days are, are completely transformative. It, it encourages creativity. It encourages action over anything, over thinking, over sitting with the fear. You, you could, you're always, I was always confronted by the fear, but I, I had to make a conscious decision to always push past it because if I don't, then I will be sleeping on the beach or going hungry for a few days. And that was a lot scarier than talking to somebody and asking if I can help them. And that reframing of that totally changed my mind over what I was actually dealing with. And it kind of gave me this, this insight into like, if we're not fighting for our life, then life is a whole lot easier and we don't have to do much. And that kind of gives me the mantra now for like, work like your life depends on it. Not because I need to, but because I can get that much further ahead if I have that mentality of like, man, if I don't get this, then, then what do I do? And it, yeah. How, yeah. What are you going to ask? I was going to say, how, how has that changed your perspective on, on time, right? Like you were, you were able to accomplish a lot within 30 days. What do you think about 30 days now? Like, you know, when you have a project and you have 30 days to do it, does that sound like a short amount of time? Does it sound like a long period of time? <laughs> I think after, after that experience, it's definitely created a lot more urgency in me that I find some other people might find irritating 
And I, I do think that in some regards, we are much more capable than we think we are to accomplish more in less time. And I feel in this kind of age, people are afraid to, to think, oh, can we do a 90 day project in 30 days? I think it's important to, 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 to maybe change that mindset or like address, like maybe ask the question, can we do this faster? Does it need to be this complex? Do we have to take this long to accomplish it? What can we do to minimize the workload by 90% to get this done in the same level of effectiveness? So I'm always thinking like that. Like, and when people are, are coming to me with problems, I'm always thinking like, how would this look like if it was easy and we could do it today? And so I really try to stress that in the work that I do. Any, any habits that changed for you after that? leave at like a morning morning routine or any other aspects about your life I, at the, after that I, I really started waking up earlier and including a lot more spiritual practices in in my my day-to-day so my life was really centered around doing and i kind of changed it to be more centered around being than doing so meditating relaxing being with myself and my thoughts before jumping into the work so then I can be a bit smarter and plan out what I want to do. So that the, how early is, uh, is, is early for you and how, how long do you spend, you know, sort of spiritually preparing? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely changed over the years. I used to wake up at five every day when I was in Vietnam, it was 5 a.m. And I would usually take about an hour and a half, two hours. So I'd work out. I would do stretching, yoga. I would do breath work. And that was a really great routine for me. And I realized just, I realized giving myself the space in the morning, giving myself that love allowed me to give my love to others much more, much greater because yeah, I just needed that time. It it really helped me out. So about two, two hours usually. And that still is today when I'm, I'm not waking up at five. I usually work, work pretty late, which I find to be really beneficial, but I still give myself about two hours in the morning to, to work out and to stretch, meditate and, and read. Very nice. And that's a great message. I do think, you know, I always say on the show that life is kind of like how you choose to spend your time. And, uh, and so if you, you know, if you have more of it and if you have, uh, you know, I guess a, a stronger uh, sense of self and centeredness that, you know, you can choose to spend that time more helping, helping others and, and being fulfilled. So uh, I do like that. Awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. What, what advice would you have for someone wanting to be creative and, and, you know, doing video editing and, and kind of a lot of the work that you do, you know, what would you, what would you say to them that would, you know, help them, you know, approach things differently or, or make their work more efficient? A lot of it is wishful thinking and aspirational thinking, not a lot of action. You just got to do it. You got to go hard. You got to try and you got to fail. It's it's never going to get easier confronting fear of judgment, of not being good enough, until you actually confront it and push past it. And I see this a lot with my friends and, and whatnot who who want to be freelancers, who want to be artists. And I think it's it's just about putting yourself and trying and failing and and listening to feedback from a bit of a d- detached viewpoint. Like it's, if people are giving you feedback, it is for your benefit as even if it's harsh. Um, so 
it I would say just try it and and try and be comfortable with failing and uh, yeah so that I guess that's that's a really good uh, piece of advice that I would give myself back in the day excellent no sound sound advice for sure well, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience on current projects, what you guys do at Second Wave, and you know any ways that they can get in touch with you as far as social media handles and things like that? Sure, yeah. So what I do with my, my homies, Duncan and Evan at Second Wave, we are a creative firm, and we are working with a couple of musicians right now. And we're, we do all various kinds of work, animation, motion graphics, video editing. And you can find us at secondwave.digital. And then you can find me. If you want to keep in touch with me, I post a bunch of photos, art, talk about interesting philosophical topics on Twitter. And that is twitter.com slash Mark with the C, S-T-A-T-Z, Mark Stotts. And that is me. Yeah, I, I hope to, to connect with some of you. And I hope to connect with you again, Jock. This has been a really great conversation. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like the show and would like others to hear about it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way other listeners find the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.